everybody. Welcome to Listed Money Matters. Anything you put your mind to, put your grind to. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Excellent, man. Hmm. I'm still drinking the Omegang BPA. Mm. Belgian-style pale ale. You drink a lot of Omegang. You notice you know, that? Well, see, here, here's the thing is uh, lately, due to uh, the volume at which I've been consuming beer, I've moved to Bomber. So uh, it's like it's a, a pint. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, 24 ounces, yeah, yeah. 22 ounces. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah and I, I try to not get super tanked while we record. So it kind of like makes it through almost the a week. The operative word being try. Try. <laughs> well, yeah, the last episode, you know, that Saturday episode. Yeah. Little, yeah, little yeah. <laughs> uh, I am drinking, uh, courtesy of Flying Fish, the Red Fish, uh, which is a West Coast style hoppy red ale, brash, bold, bright, and in case we didn't mention, hoppy. So it is hoppy. It's very good. And uh, I, I say courtesy of Flying Fish because they sent me a half a case of beer for this podcast. And they packed it so nicely. They did pack it so nicely. The, I, I have the image going up on Facebook at some point. I'm sure it's up now if you are listening to this anytime soon. Um, for, for what it's worth, they, yeah. they not just like sent it to you. They shipped it to you uh, by, by what? Like USPS or something, uh, right? Yeah, something like that. And uh, you know what? Uh, so Andrew had... Uh, Emailed me on Facebook and asked how how they did that. Not not me, Andrew. Not Andrew. you, Andrew. Listener, Andrew. Um, and Andrew knows who Andrew M. Uh, how how they did that? Because I actually went on Wikipedia. I started googling and doing research. Why listeners can't send us beer? It does have to do with the fact that we live in New Jersey. But Flying Fish is out of New Jersey, and they are a licensed distributor of alcohol, so they are allowed to send it to me. Mm. But the uh, the other company, uh, uh, Village Idiot Brewing, they hand-delivered it to me. They actually had a guy driving a car and, and deliver it to me, and that they can do because uh, you're avoiding the shipping stuff. But anyway. And you uh, demanded that Andrew hand-deliver it to you, right? Exactly, yeah. So I, <laughs> I was like, you got to drive here, bud. No, but the thing is, uh, you can fudge it. <laughs> you can just pack it and send it, and no one cares. Uh, but, you know, we'll, 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 we'll err on the uh, side of safety and uh, not – Trying to get in trouble. But anyway, yes, the red fish from Flying Fish, very good. So uh, today's catchphrase is anything you put your mind to, put your grind to. That was sent in by at Free Chips. Free Chip is the Chip Tips. Chip Tips. All right, I'll spell it. F-R-E-T-E-C-H-T-I-P-S. There's a T in hmm. there. Yeah. Chips. Chip I don't know. Uh, so if you guys have catchphrases, you can send them into our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man. And if you don't have Twitter, I have to mention, you can send them into our Facebook page. It's Facebook.com. Yeah. Facebook.com slash Listen Money Matters. All Sound right. like you're going to start to cry. I was starting, starting to lose my breath. <gasps> Breathe in. Come to center. Calm. Okay. Downward dog. There it is. We're not doing yoga here. We have a guest in the show, someone I'm very excited to talk about. His name is Mike. Let's talk about. Talk to. His name is Michael Port of uh, HeroicPublicSpeaking.com and a best-selling book, and it's called Book Yourself Solid, and it's a book I've read. He has a course in Fizzle, which you can find uh, if you go to our toolbox. It's ListenMoneyMatters.com slash Fizzle, uh, and let's introduce Michael Port. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Are Thanks. you drinking anything? No, you know, I don't. Not, I don't know if I'm going to get kicked off the show for mm. saying this. I'm a little concerned, but I actually don't drink. You are not going to get kicked off, and we know a lot of people who don't drink. But I'm curious as to why. I don't. This is now. I think I'm going to get kicked off. I just don't <laughs> like the taste of it. 
of all alcohol or like yeah like really? i can drink no like i don't mind a this is now i'm really gonna get kicked <laughs> off like a nice fruity pina colada i can drink i just can't drink alcohol like beer it just doesn't work for me Al- right. stri- like straight alcohol doesn't work that's, wine doesn't like it that's no. fine that's it's fine weird. i know but here's the thing i know i'd be so much more fun <laughs> I could just knock back a few. <laughs> and I've tried. I really worked hard at this, guys. It was like a big part of my personal development over the years. It just couldn't do it. <laughs> well, it was, it. Ni- it was nice talking to you. Yep, and uh, you just to wrap things up. No, I, all right. So I want I to get into uh, uh, yeah. to what you're doing now, the public speaking stuff. You were on, you, did a, you had a Creative Live session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, for those who don't know what Creative Live is, it's this, uh, and I guess you can explain it, but uh, from what I understand, if you watch your course live, it's free, but then, you know, after it's been presented, you have yeah. to pay for it. And yeah, that's totally the business model. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite clever. It is. I did two programs there. I did a Book Yourself Solid three-day event. Wow. Gosh, a couple of years ago. And 28, I think it was 28 or 32,000 people watched it live. Wow. Live. And, yeah, and then they could buy it. You know, the thing is, it's a, it's a smart model because – it's unlikely most people can take three days off from work and watch uh, an event like that online. Sure, sure. And the pricing is very, very reasonable. I think that was a hundred and something for a three-day course. The heroic public speaking was, I think, ninety-nine dollars for his two-day course, mm-hmm. which is just extraordinary to me uh, that they can price it like that. But you know, if they have enough, uh, you know, if they have enough buyers, if they have the volume, it'll it'll work from a business perspective. But yeah, they could watch it. You could watch it for free for two days, and they production value is extraordinary yeah I mean, they are so good at what they do really amazing yeah and uh, a friend of the show omar zenholm who has the hundred dollar mba show and yeah. i'm the guy that did the theme music for that show and he's oh, been cool. on our show before yeah, yeah, he, yeah he was uh he took your course or he, he was did. he was there and he was up and doing his moves and i saw some he, video of it he was he was fantastic this first time i met him and we've become friends uh since yeah his uh, girlfriend and he were in the audience yeah Nicole. and I, I got him up on stage to do some coaching with him and we got him to do some Michael Jackson moves. Yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Because this guy's like 19 feet tall. Yeah, he's a tall guy. He's like a beanpole. And he's like the last person you would think would be dancing like Michael Jackson. And right. he was crushing it. Yeah. So, so and, and now he's he's going to go out there and start doing public speaking, I heard. Yeah, in a big way. He yeah. said it, it changed you know, his way that he saw himself. It changed the way he saw public speaking. Because look. I, I was an actor. That was my first career. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, I've been writing books for over a decade. I've got actually five uh, best-selling books and all the lists, New York Times, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And I've been writing about marketing and, and sales and business development. But my first career was as an actor. And I had a modicum of success, which means just a little bit. I need to know now. Like, what Were you movies, yeah. television, I, theater? Yeah, uh, all of the above. So I got a master's of fine arts from the graduate acting program at NYU. Okay. And then I worked professionally. I was... Uh, in shows like Sex and the City, Third Watch, All My Children, Law and Order, 100 Center Street, Down to Earth, Pelican Brief, uh, Last Call, The Believer. I did tons of commercials. Actually, you know what? You guys would be very happy to hear this. Not only did I do on-camera commercials for Budweiser, <laughs> I did voiceover commercials for Coors Beer. Wow. You know, you know the, at the end, the, you know, uh, the Golden Colorado. Oh, were you the guy that went... And twins? Were you that guy? <laughs> no, no, no. So here's the, this one you run over. So the Budweiser commercials. Do you remember when there was a there was a whole series of commercials for Budweiser with the What's Up guys? They go, what's oh that? yeah, yeah, it was yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Then they did these spinoffs um, with the Jersey guys, and mm. I was one of the Jersey guys. Yeah. So 
it was it, it was basically in the, it was in the soprano the sopranos era yeah it was in the 90s so it was uh, maybe seven of us and we all looked like mafia guys and <laughs> the only thing we would say the whole time everybody would say how you doing how you, how you doing, doing? Oh, i do remember doing? that yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i was always the guy at the end that would say you don't want to know <laughs> and every commercial was like that it was i mean really really funny and here's what's interesting when we went in to do it uh, we were all trying to come up with our own unique way of saying how you doing. It's like how you doing? Yeah. How you doing? And then they're like, no, 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 no. We want you all the same. That's what makes it funny. And huh. they were right. So we did about seven of those. Um, but then, yeah, man, I did you know voiceovers for Pizza Hut, and I don't remember, know if you remember one eight hundred call ATT. Remember yeah. Those? Oh yeah. So I used to do tons of that, but I just I, I hated walking around, you know, waiting for someone to give me a job. I just could not get my mind wrapped around that. You gotta have a lot of patience, and I have never been accused of having any patience whatsoever. Right. So uh, I left. I went into business. I had some success. I sold. Blah blah blah. I I started writing, and you know, and on from there. But my first love has always been performance, and you know, I've been a successful keynote speaker for some time. And the reason I I was able to achieve a certain level of success pretty quickly in in speaking is because I was an actor. Yeah, you had that background. I had the background, and I would love to help people stop speaking and start performing. Yeah, really understanding what the actor knows about performance, mm. and not and to bring it not just to the stage, but to all aspects of your life. Because a job interview is a performance. Yep, leading a team is a performance. A first date is definitely a performance. Mm. Now, here's the thing. People often get uncomfortable with this idea of performing or acting as if somehow that means that you're supposed to be fake or you're pretending or that you're somehow manipulating or it's contrived or that you're phony. And nothing could be farther from the truth because the greatest performers in the world are the most honest performers, the most authentic performers. And one of the reasons people love Tom Hanks is because he's just so honest as a performer. Yeah. And and the reasons that you, you you don't connect to a lot of the sort of hyperbolic soap opera type actors is because they are just completely phony. They they don't mm. they can't live in that character in, in a way that uh, connects you. Now, I'm not saying all I was on soaps. Not I'm not saying all soap opera actors are like that. But but often you know you see the difference between the kind of performers you connect with. You connect with the ones who are honest and the ones you just don't believe. You don't connect with them. And the same thing is true in life. And we are always playing roles. We might not realize that we are, but we're always playing roles. We play one role when we're home with the family. We play another role when we're out with our friends. We play another role when we are at the office. And sometimes it can be overwhelming because you I don't know, where am I? What am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be today? But what the actor knows is the actor knows how to create characters. And go with me for a second here. Listen, think about how this extends to regular life, not for someone who's an actor, but to use the skills that an actor has and what an actor knows about creating a character that is the best, most amplified version of yourself. So you know which parts of yourself to highlight, to amplify, to bring forward in any situation. Hmm. And if you do that, then you know what role to play in any given situation. And in fact, you can steal the show when you want to. So is this a podcasting character you're playing right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. This is my, I'm doing a podcast with a bunch of drunk guys. Yep. <laughs> so I got to try to keep sure everybody's staying online, staying on track because who knows where this could go. No. Yeah. But it's true. But it's true. Look, when you're doing this podcast, 
mm. know, there's a particular sound that you put behind your voice. There's a particular energy that you bring to it. There's timing that you need to consider that's essential. But you don't need to bring that voice, to bring that timing, to bring that particular energy to a conversation where you're sitting with a young child talking about a fear they have about going to school tomorrow. Yeah, because that would be weird if I was talking to somebody just at a restaurant and be like, hey, how are you doing? My name is Matt. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. It would be completely bizarre. <laughs> what are you drinking? Right, but on your show it works well because it's the right role, the right energy yeah. for the kind of show and your audience and the whole thing. But the thing where, pe where people have trouble is when they don't know how to adopt different roles. Hmm. You see, most successful people I have found is, are, are people who can who can adopt lots of different styles of behavior. They can move in and out of different environments, different groups of people, like it's nothing, seamlessly. Mm. And just like you said, if you always had that same podcast personality on everywhere you went, be there'd be weird. lots of times where you'd be like, this is inappropriate, man. Yeah. This, is, this is not the place for that. And the sales voice, too. I mean, when people get in the sales modes, they, exactly. they you know. Exactly. So, so, so if, you can, if, you can, if you can develop lots of different styles of behavior, then you're doing what the actor does well. Mm. Sure. Michael, I'm following you, and, and it makes a ton of sense. My my confusion point is how how do you know to to what is comprised what you know like what pieces to pull from yourself to be the interview person, or how do you know when you're at a, a dinner party to to not um, do fart jokes because it's you know <laughs> not, yeah you, not, yeah you have an issue with that. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how how do you kind of determine these these pieces? If if somebody doesn't know when they should or shouldn't do fart jokes, they're they're way beyond my my help. I don't. <laughs> I don't well, the know an, the answers you. all the time, right? <laughs> no. God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so the fart jokes thing, you know, uh, I say the more the merrier. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's a really interesting uh, question. One of the things that the actor does very well is stay in the moment. Hmm. Now, many folks have heard this idea, stay in the moment, with respect to uh, meditation. Sort of a, yeah, meditation or yeah. A spiritual consideration. But being in the moment is important in, in so many different aspects of life. Because if I'm not in the moment, I can't listen to what is actually being presented to me. So, for example, if I come on this program and I already have predetermined what I want to say, how I want to say it, when I want to say it, it's going to be a disaster. Mm. Because I would means it would means I'm not listening to what is actually happening, what's coming at me, and then of course you can't respond naturally and organically and in a way that's real when you're not listening. So if I can stay in the moment and I know my material and I know what I'm talking about, then I can respond to your questions legitimately, wholly, honestly, and organically. And then it allows for improv. Then improv gets easier. Yeah. And, 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 and so that's one of the things that you do is, is work on this ability to listen and stay in the moment because then you can figure out, well, is this the right thing to say at this moment or is it not? I, I want to one-up your, your thing there because I, I, I get the whole listening thing. And, and I actually I feel like I went through this process doing the, the podcast and just – being more in the moment. And, and one of the things for me, and we, I mean, we've done like 200 something episodes, so I've just beaten the, the fear out of me, but I would not speak for fear of sounding like an idiot or not speak for fear of, you know, 
railroading a conversation that was going really well, you know? And so how do you kind of not have to do, you know, 200 things to get to that point? Like, is there a shortcut to kind of put the fear on a shelf in these situations? Sure. So one of the, one of the greatest techniques that an actor uses is, is the act as if concept. It's the act as if technique. So you act as if you are comfortable. Now go with me here mm. because oh, there, there's a whole uh, field of neuroscience and psychology that demonstrates that what you believe starts to actually present itself. Sure. And I'm not a sit on the couch, just do affirmations and life is good kind of guy. Um, but what we use is our imagination to imagine that we can do something, to imagine uh, how we would behave in any given situation. And if, of course, if we're imagining that bad things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen. We're not going to want to open our mouth because we feel like we're going to sound like an idiot. And eventually you decide, I'm comfortable sounding like an idiot, so I'm going to talk. And, I'm, and off you go. And then you start to find your own voice. And you start to play. Mm. And you start to realize. It's like, I'll tell you, man, when I started um, writing, uh, writing about uh, marketing and business development, et cetera, I was so afraid people were going to find out that I was an actor because they think, well, well, he's just yeah, a what do you actor. know? Yeah. Like, what the hell does he know? <laughs> and, and, you know, people have this assumption that, you know, actors are dumb for whatever reason. I never thought that, but no, okay. Oh, no, I know. But, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just weird. Like, why is an actor? I don't get it. But what's interesting is that over time, I realized that's actually what was most interesting to people and what made me unique. And one of the reasons they said, well, let, let's talk to him about branding and performance and storytelling because he's an actor. Hmm. That makes sense. I just wasn't seeing it because I was afraid. I had this small thought. So I wasn't using the act as if. I wasn't acting as if that would be helpful to me. Instead, I would hide it. Right. You see? And then, of course, there's another technique that we use called yes and. Yeah, so that's imp improv. Improv. Exactly right. So let's say you and I are doing an improv together. Okay. And, and you Whoa, walk in the right room. Now? And well, no, I'm going to give you an <laughs> Okay, sorry. So you walk in the room and you say, oh, my God, my God I just broke my leg. It's freaking killing me. Yeah. I say, no, you didn't. You're fine. It's over. It's done. That's <laughs> it. I just stopped the whole thing. But End walk, scene. End scene. Right, exactly. But if you walk in and, and you see it broke my leg, oh my God, that's terrible. But you know what? Your hair looks fantastic. Well, now we have somewhere to go. You say, ah, you know, I was at the hair salon. I was in the chair. It was a huge fucking chair. I don't know what. And I fell out of it. And, you know, yeah. and now you've got somewhere to go. Right. But if you constantly say no, nobody wants to play with you. Nobody's interested in, you know, the devil's advocate. You know that guy that's always, it's always a guy. Oh, it's you mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. Keanu Reeves. I got to play devil's advocate for a second. I got to play devil's advocate. God, dude, can you just say something that adds to the conversation instead of always taking away? So what we do is even if somebody says something that doesn't make sense to you, you don't get it or it's off track, you say, yes, and how about this? Yes, I hear what you're saying, and what if we thought about this? So we're saying yes to that, but we're also saying yes to our own ideas. It's like, Andrew, when you were saying that you know, at the beginning, you didn't want to interrupt. You didn't want to throw it off. You didn't want to make sense. But eventually, you started saying yes to your ideas. You started saying yes to your ability to add a lot of value to the conversation and to the show. And then you kept moving forward. So you could say, yes, and I could also do this. Yes, and I can also do this. Yes, and I can also do this. Mm. Huh. Now, I, I think the big, uh, the big question, right, with public speaking is – getting over the fear of actually getting in front of a room of people. Oof, the, I'll tell you, yeah. You know, well, the, the, the idea of imagining people in their underwear, 
thing. Oh my god, the worst fucking pizza. Sorry, Am I, I feel like I'm oh you can you guys at, are drinking bro. You, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yes. Oh my god, it's one of those. This, this we have an explicit good. label on our show. Okay, good. Thank God. Okay, listen. You can't that, say that word though. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst piece of advice ever given. I don't know who started that. But I, I don't know why people are uh, perpetuating this myth, this yeah. idea that when you're nervous, you're supposed to look at people as if they're naked. All right. so That would make me that. more nervous. Exactly. <laughs> so you're 100 people naked. Now, not only does it make you more nervous, but you're not even, you're not able to think about the thing that you're there to do. You're, you're just, just thinking, thinking about, about a guy's junk. Just exactly, being... which is not going to help in that. Why are you looking at the guys when they're naked, dude? <laughs> it's just, it's just a terrible piece of advice. Look, right. Jerry Seinfeld had a great joke. He said, uh, "If public speaking is the number one fear and death is the number two fear, that means if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the box than then, giving the eulogy." Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's not good. And and the reason we're often so afraid is because we're afraid of the criticism. We're yes, afraid the judgment. Judgment. And, and I, I say this. Look. You, you can't be a performer and a critic. Can't be both. Mm-hmm. You got to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. So decide to either live as a critic or live as a performer. And if you live as a performer, you say, "I'm not interested in the critics. The critics can take their small thoughts and they can, you know, you know where you, they can go stick them. I'm going to be here to stand up um, and speak to the people that I'm meant to serve. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in, and I'm going to, you know, in just." Whatever way it is, if it's a small speech to a small group of people, if it's a wedding speech, you know, if it's a huge speech to a big audience, you're, you're honestly, not to sound hyperbolic here, but you're saving the world one speech at a time. You're doing something good for the people in the room one speech at a time. So the question is, what do you care more about, results or approval? Yeah, right. Which is more important. And if you care more about approval, you're going to always be nervous about speaking. But if I you focus that. on results... Well, yeah, you'll be nervous. That's normal because you want to do a good job and you care about your audience. But if I meet a speaker that's not a little bit nervous, I don't think they care about their audience. Sure. Yeah. Now, I think about it this way. Like, you had mentioned uh, performing as a, as, a, as a means of public speaking yeah. and interviews, going yeah. on job interviews. Because I think yeah. I'm tr- like just trying to bring it back to a way we can use public speaking to uh, maybe help us with our finances. Yep. That's a huge area. It's- it's enormous. The first, listen, when I, I'll give you an example. When I left acting, I had to get a job. Okay. I mean, I didn't, I was an actor. I had a mm-hmm. master's in acting that, and at the time in New York and a buck 50 would get you on the bus. <laughs> right. I had an undergrad degree in theater. Okay. That, that and a buck 50 gets you on the bus. I had yeah. to figure out something to do. Yeah. So I, so I was teaching one spinning class a week at the Reebok Sports Club in New York. One spinning class a week. And I saw there was a job opening for a group exercise manager. For one of the other clubs in that company, a small one of the smaller clubs, a group actually, I mean, this is the person who makes the schedule for all the classes and hires the teachers and reviews them. And okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. And not, I didn't know anything about that other than I taught a spinning class. That was it. And right. I said, I want to apply for this job. And the woman said, But you don't know anything about this stuff. I said, I know, but can you just get me an opportunity for the interview? And I will. I'll do you a justice. I'll do you a solid. You won't feel stupid for making you know for for sending me in there. She sure. Goes, all right. Fine. So I thought about it. I said, Well. What's the character? What's the role that I need to play in order to get this job? Now, I can't lie. I have to do it authentically. So I've got to go in there and say, look, I don't have these particular qualifications. These things that you say you need to have here, I don't have them. But here's what I do have. And let me tell you why you should pick me. And I really thought about it from that perspective, that it was a role that I was playing. And I said, I'm going to play the role. I'm going to play the role as if I am the best 
choice, as if I will do the best job, as if I will do a job so well that nobody else has ever done it that well before. Now, do I have any idea if I really could? I don't know. I mean, I thought, you know what, if I give myself all, give my all, yeah, I probably could. But I believed, I said as if, I said as if, and I kept saying yes. So they would say, but you don't have this, uh, this particular, you know, qualification. Yes. And Mm -hmm. have you thought about this qualification that this person should have? And they said, but you don't have this. Yes. And what, but I do have this. Yes. And I have this. Yes. And I have this. And I, so I never got defensive. I never had to be in the, in the defensive mode. I just looked at what's the role? What's the role? Yeah. I got it. Three months later, I had two promotions. Another month later, I was running the whole division for the whole company, huge public company uh, in that particular area. Why? Because I didn't actually need to know how to do all of those things. It, that wasn't actually what they were looking for, even though that's what they thought they were. I sure. convinced them that that's not what they should be looking for. Um, and as a result, I was just able to bring in the best people let them do their thing, manage it, and, uh, and we built something great from it. So it was absolutely playing, you know, using the as if. It was absolutely saying yes and, and much more. Yeah, and, and but, but getting yourself in front of those people initially, that's got to take some balls, right? Well, look, what did I have to lose? I mean, I, mm. I didn't have anything else. So what are they going to do, say no? Right. So, I mean, really, that, that was it. They say, no, you're not qualified. Well, I know I'm not qualified. You know, it's not like, yes, I, I'm not qualified. And yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. no, but I mean, it wasn't, the, I, my feelings couldn't get hurt. Sure. Essentially what I'm saying, unless I wanted them to, unless I felt bad about myself, I decided, you know what, I gotta, I gotta make something of myself. I gotta do something of myself. Plus, you know, when you've got rent to pay, you know, it raises the stakes, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. You, you, you got, if you jump it out of safety net yeah. and you know, well, look, the, another thing that the, that the performer does really well is that translates into all areas of our life is raising the stakes. Because we want to work with people that raise the stakes and that are willing to make big choices early and often. Because if, if you know, I have a company, I have a lot of people that work for me, and if you come and say, Michael, I want to work for you, I'll say, all right, let's talk about it. And if you don't demonstrate that you're willing to make big choices, I'm not interested in you. Well, what's I a big want choice? Who's safe. Yeah, what's a big choice? All right. A big choice is... Michael, here's what I think we could do with this particular uh, part of the company. Now, I know it sounds risky, but I see an opportunity here. Here's the opportunity I see, and I'm willing to take it on, and if it fails, it's on me. Hmm. So, for example, one of the ways that um, in that early time I was at that particular job that I got that second promotion is because I said, look, so they said, will you come and run this other department as well as the department you're running? And I said, sure, how much are you going to pay me? They said, we'll give you $5,000 more. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> You want me to do the job of two, two, you want me to do the, the job double, do twice as much, but you want to pay me five, I said, forget it. I said, but I'll tell you what, I'll come and do it for this. And I think it was like an extra hundred grand or something like that. They're like, no way, impossible. I said, I'll tell you what, these is, this is what I'm going to accomplish. If I come over there and I accomplish A, B, and C, okay, and these are the things that I knew would be just way off their radar, like they didn't even think they could possibly do it, but I had a feeling I could do it. I figured, what do I have to lose? So if I go over there and I can't accomplish them, I get that $5,000, but I still am moving forward. Maybe, you know, there's another thing that moves me forward, sure. you know, after that. But I said, I took this big, big leap of faith. They said, fine, yeah, we'll give you that. And I know they're laughing, about, you know, on the other end of the phone. There's no way this guy could do that. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, three months later, call him up. So I did it. Let's have our sit down and make sure we change our comp package. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, don't you remember? She's like, no. I said, well, you better check with the other people in the room. She goes back and talks to her assistant, and she goes, oh, my God, I didn't actually think you'd do it. 
<laughs> so, you know, so then she had to go find that money. That's, that's risky. That's risky. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, can, that can fail completely. Sure. But, but I want people who are willing to take smart, calculated uh, risks where they're putting themselves on the line just like they're putting me on the line. You know, if you want to take a risk with something that I have, you've got to put yourself on the line too. And so the risk is, is really, really compelling. Here's another example of, uh, of making choices, well, how making choices are so attractive and so appealing. When I, when I was an actor, one of the things I did badly was I go into an audition and I think about what is the cast director looking for? What do they want? And then I think, what does the director want? Oh, what is the producer looking for? And I'd be all in my head trying to figure out what do they want? What do they want? So I came off bland and weak. What I should have been doing, and this is what a lot of my friends who went on to win Golden Globes and Academy Awards and all the good stuff, this is what they did. I don't know if they realized they did it or not, but when I look back on it, I realized this is what I should have been doing. You go into that, you go into that room and, and you tell them what, what it should be. You tell them what the shot is. You tell them what it should look like. You don't do it with arrogance. You don't do it um, uh, uh, all-knowingly, but you come in with the choices. If they give you feedback, you take it and you run with it. it you collaborate with them, but you've got to come in with first. You've got to come up with saying, here's what I think. This is what I think we should do. Here's what I want to do. You don't sit there and wait for somebody else to tell you what the shot is mm -hmm. because here's what's actually happening in their minds. The casting director is just thinking, I hope I don't get fired. I hope I don't get fired. I hope I don't get fired. Why? Because if the director and the producer don't like who that casting director brought in, they just fire the casting director and bring in another casting director. And guess what? That casting director just brings in the same people. Sure. Now, the director's thinking, please don't ask me any questions. I don't know what to say. They just gave me $200 million to make this movie, and all I've done is music videos, so I don't know what the heck to tell you, dude. That's what they're thinking. Right. Yeah, they just want you to come up with the answers, look really good, so I can hire you, and let's get on with it. And the producer, you know, if you're a man, he's just kind of thinking, can I cast someone who's unknown? Do I have enough stars in the film? And if you're a woman, he's thinking, can I sleep with you? That's what he wants to know. Right? <laughs> so, you know, that's the, that's the nature of the business. But it's the same thing with books. I've, you know, I just sold my sixth book. And they don't want you coming in there with a book proposal saying, now I'm wondering what you guys think of this. And what do you want to do? And what would you like the title to be? That's not what they're hiring. They're hiring the person who comes in and says, this is what I want to make. This is why I want to make it. This is how we're going to sell it. This is why it's the thing we have to make. And you got to do it with you know, confidence. Confidence, right. But, but not bravado, not arrogance. It's two entirely different things. But how do you, how do you determine which one is which? Because I often get like, my dad will say, you're cocky. And I'm like, no, I'm confident. Yeah, but sure. But how do you well, know which, which, which is which? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's generational. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, that is important. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that issue of your dad because sometimes it's generational and certain generations have a different way of expressing uh, their feelings, right? Their well, way of being. Let me, let me change it like this. I will also say that to Matt and I am his, his same age. So if you take well, generation Matt is, Matt out of it. Matt is totally cocky. I mean, Matt, All is, right, damn it. Just, Matt is an outlier. You know, here's the problem. No, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here, but I actually, I mean, I find Matt great. Like, I, I think Matt's really cool, and I don't mind personally. I don't mind a little cockiness. I want, I want, I'd rather have someone who's a little bit cocky than somebody who's always afraid of making choices. I'm always going to err on the side of the one who's going to take a bigger risk, mm. always. But how can you do it with grace and charm? And so, when I sit down, say in the meetings, I just sold uh, a new book called Steal the Show, and I'm working on it now. It comes out in the two thousand fall of two thousand fifteen. And every publisher that my agent and I brought it to wanted it. It was, it was just fantastic. I felt like the luckiest dude in the world. But I had done the work on it. And you, you had know, a track I, record. I had a track record, but I had done the work. Like I had done more work on this proposal than any proposal I'd done since my first book. Hmm. 
and I was prepared. And they get the proposal, they review it, and you know that they're going to come to the table with questions and concerns. Well, why this? What do you think about this? We're not crazy about this. And you, you answer every single question they have, but not from a defensive perspective. You always say, I really get what you're saying. I hear you. That makes sense to me. And I was also thinking about it this way. That's very different than like, no, 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 no. You're wrong. That's not what it is. What it is is this. These are two very different approaches. It is. To dramatically different approaches. And of course, we're always finding ways to bring other people in and allowing them to steal the show. So in my business, I would rather people on my team look like the superstar than me. Any day of the week. I would be, if, if, if this book that, uh, that is coming out next year, if it becomes the best-selling book in the world, and I get no credit for it, and my editor gets all the credit, I'll, I'll give it to her. I got no problem with that. Why? Because I'm interested in the results, not the approval. Hmm. And so you allow people, you enable them, you encourage them, you provoke them to get involved and be involved in the decision-making process. But you got to come to the, the table with big decisions, big choices, uh, you know, increased risks. Because look, here's a great example. You have, you, of course, you've seen the born identity. Of course. Of course. Uh, uh, both of you guys, I want to make sure. Uh, oh, I'm, absolutely. I've seen it. You yeah. have? Yeah, I have. You have. Okay. All Good four enough. of them? Uh, I thought there was three. There's four. Well, the only one. So let's Movies, just use born. But... Let's just use born identity as an example. Okay. okay. So the born identity starts with a guy lying face down in the water, unconscious, with a bullet in his back. Some fishermen pull him out of the water, take the bullet out of his back with these crude tools, and they find a chip inside his body that goes to a Swiss bank account where he's got ten passports in different countries, ten thousand dollars in cash, and a gun. Well, he leaves the gun, takes the passports, takes the cash. Goes to the U.S. Embassy. He thinks he's American, but here's the thing. He can't remember anything about himself. He gets to the U.S. Embassy and it, the, the guards jump him. Well, in 30 seconds, he takes them all out. He has no idea how he does it. Apparently, he's a brilliant martial artist, but he runs from them, scales down the side of a building. Hmm. Now, that was a high stakes, right? Yeah. Pretty high stakes. Now, couple that. No, no, no. Compare that, rather. Compare that to an opening of a movie with a guy sitting at a computer in a cubicle looking at an Excel spreadsheet. He shakes his head for a second and goes, huh, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, okay. And he goes back to writing numbers in the Excel sheet, and you watch that for the next two hours. Which would you rather watch? You want to watch the one that's compelling, that has high stakes. You just don't know what's going to happen next. Right, the spreadsheet guy. Right. You oh. don't want, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to sit there and watch the spreadsheet guy. So, you know, maybe you want your accountant to be incredibly boring, but I don't. I want my accountant to come to me and say, Michael, I, I've got some ideas on how we can save some more money in your taxes. I've got some ideas of where you can put money to, et cetera. Now, I want to be on the up and up. I want to be legit. So there's the, there's, the, there's, the, there's the borderline, right? You know, risks should only go so far for me. I just had a vision of your accountant being the like Jason Bourne, like, <laughs> like just coming up to you like, we got to go. There's a bunch of guys surrounding us and jumping down a building and like, shit. <laughs> That's just my, my brain went there and I just started laughing. Sorry. Sorry to no, derail that. Good, but, I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? With yeah. This idea of, of, you know, look, if you, you guys, have, you got a great podcast here, but what's the next step? What's the biggest risk you could take right now for your podcast? Like what would be something that 
might even you go, I'm fucking scared to do this, but what's mm-hmm. the risk? Like, what's that next thing? What's the thing that would raise the stakes for you? I guess making money, right? Just selling yeah. advertising. Yeah. And, Sponsorships. And, yeah. And so what do you got to do to do that? You got to do some things you haven't done before. Yeah. We got to scale down a building and. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get like 10 up. passports yeah, right. and, done and, and some money and <laughs> right. go make it happen. Yeah. But, th- but that's the question I, I ask myself and that's the question I ask other people. I said, well, what is, what's the thing that raises the stakes for you? What's the thing that raises the stakes? How do you make a bigger choice right now than you made yesterday? Yeah. And you know what? It reminds me of, uh, you know, Mark Maron asked um, Conan O'Brien, what was the secret to his success? And he said, don't give yourself a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you just, you're raising the stakes and you're like, this is it. I got, I got no other so, choice. I have to make this happen. Yeah. So as you cross the bridge, burn it down behind you sure. and you have no choice. Well, like, that's war. Yeah. Exactly right. So uh, there's a great example. Of this is, I do a keynote called the think big revolution. And if you want to see a 16 minute uh, extended trailer of it, you can go to YouTube and just put in think big revolution. And you'll see this, this 16 minute clip of this keynote that I do. But I, 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 I always wanted to do it. It's based on my book, The Think Big Manifesto, but I just, I just didn't. It's just, I, wanted, I had this idea to do something completely different, a keynote that you've never seen before, more like a one-man show. But it was just a huge amount of work, and I was so busy with so many things. And mm-hmm. You know what? I didn't have to do it because there's big risks involved with it. What if it doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of risks, raising the stakes, got to choose, you know, all this. And I said, I don't want to do it. But then um, a very, very large company out of Australia asked if, I would come and give them a keynote. And I said, yeah, we're going to do a book yourself solid. They're like, no, we want you to do something on thinking big. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have to do it. And I just said, I just heard it out of my mouth. I go, yeah, okay, fine. Well, now I knew that I had to do this keynote. I had no choice. I signed a contract, paid yep. the money, boom. No choice. You got to just do it. I got to do it. So there's, because there's somebody waiting on the other line. I think without... Without a, somebody waiting for delivery, without a non-reversible public commitment to be held accountable to what you said you're going to do, without that non-reversible public commitment to be held accountable to what you said you were going to do, it's just work and ideas, and work and ideas don't get done. Interesting. And I, and, man, okay, hold on. World rocked, coming back. Um, one of the things that this like I think would be good in is not just job interviews, but asking for a raise. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I think the idea of, uh, you know, giving yourself no other choices, giving yourself high stakes, like I'm going into this meeting, I'm going to ask for a raise. Uh, I think all of this applies. It does look, you know, it's hard. You got to make, you know, you got to make smart choices, not just risky choices. Yeah. So if being prepared, right. Right. I mean, if you go in, you know how it is. If you, if you make a threat, you got to be willing to back it up, you know, to yeah. back it up. You know, it's like, you know, if you pull out a weapon, you got to be ready to use it. It's not, not something you can just joke around about. Sure. Stuff. Just like you go into a job interview and say, look, if you don't give me this, I'm leaving. Hmm. You got to be willing to leave. And so I have worked with a lot of people just on that, on the performance of the interview. Of the performance of, or not the interview, of the, of the negotiation. Of, sure. of that's what it is when you go in and ask for a raise or a promotion. You say, look. Here's why I've earned this. You've got to demonstrate. You can't just demand, I want more money. Right? That's, you know, that's the hostage taking. Yeah, I, yeah, more money or I leave. Yeah. So you say, no, this is why I've earned it. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me this raise, and here's what I'm going to do for you because I've earned this raise. 
right? This is what I'm going to produce. This is what I'm going to make happen, et cetera, et cetera. Now you got to go out and deliver that. Now, if they say, no, we're not giving it to you, you have to know what your second move is, right? Is the next move, look, if you don't give it to me, I am going to be forced to start looking for another job. Have to do it. Because uh, I'm more valuable than that. Mm-hmm. And I want you to demonstrate that you, you know, appreciate my value and that, you know, uh, you want me to keep me here, blah, blah, blah. But then you got to be willing to do it. Right. Got to be willing to walk away. That's the tough part for people. That's the tough part, right? But here's the thing. Sometimes it's the best thing you can do because, mm-hmm. man, when we play it safe, we get stuck in the same old thing for years to come. And a lot, a lot of you guys are pretty young, so I mean, imagine a lot of your listeners are young. But if you're not happy with your job right now, can you imagine 10 years from now doing the same job hmm. for like a 1.5% increase a year? <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. I mean, could just imagine what life would look like, how low the stakes would be, how uninteresting each day would be in the same exact job that you're in right now if you don't like what you're doing. So sometimes the only way to make something happen is to make a big choice to raise the stakes so that there is no going back. I like that. I I have to do that. And I'm not suggesting it's easy. No, it's it's, no, not it's at all. certainly not. Um, no. Well, so here's the thing. So so I I really like that, and I want to take it to the next level and like do this uh, slick segue because I know that there are a lot of people that listen that are doing you know their own kind of like startupy small business thing. Obviously, Matt and I are doing it as well, and or other people just aren't aspiring to do it. Yeah. And, you know, my wife is helping people like small business wise, Matt is, and, and I see these people and I, it's easier because I'm not them that I could see their value mm-hmm. and they, they wind up like I could, I could say, you know, I could, I could talk Matt up, you know, well, dude, you're like, you're $200 an hour when you do video stuff. And then he leaves the house and he's at 150 mm-hmm. and then he gets in his car and he's at a hundred dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And by the time he's there, he's pitching himself for $25 an hour. That's awesome. And he, yeah. Right? <laughs> really? <laughs> but I, I guess the point is that like, dude, you're um, hired $25. Yeah. Hour. I'm used to getting 10. So perfect. That's I, double and a half. This overworked, underpaid, like ness, yeah. and I, I feel like it kind of ties between the two because it's the communicating aspect, but also your book, book yourself solid. So, one of the things this is this is great. It's like such a great segue because in I'm order, a pro at this. I'm just really good. <laughs> we, this is 200 man. episodes deep. We know how to do this. <laughs> you are good. You got to get paid <laughs> for this. I know it's hot in here. Yeah, raise the stakes. Woo. So, so yeah, so. Book Yourself Solid is about getting as many clients as you could possibly ever need, maybe even more uh, than you could possibly ever need. And heroic public speaking is about having the ability to perform so that you can deliver on all of that. Mm-hmm. Right? The two go hand in hand. They're not separate. Because when you, when you state your fees, when you say to someone, how much is it going to cost? You say it's going to cost this amount of money. You've got to be able to sit there, not blink, not stutter. And stammer and look uncomfortable and rig, rig, wriggle in your chair and you know wring your hands and that's performing you've got to be able to control your breathing control your body look them in the eye all of that is performing so that's why those two things go hand in hand now to this point of price one of the reasons that i encourage people 
to put their fees on their website so they don't do exactly what you're talking about. Now this runs this runs contrarian to you know what a what a, a lot of folks will say is you never tell them the price you got to get them through the benefit the features and the benefits and then right. you bring out the price. But what happens to a lot of folks is by the time they get there they're so desperate to get the client that they say well no, normally it's this but you, you know what I, I'll give you for the you know what I'm free all week next week so it's really easy no big deal twenty five bucks and you're like what the you know and you just talk yourself way way out of it. I mean I, I, a lot, I can remember times where I negotiated down with myself. <laughs> when I'm in a conversation with somebody else and they didn't even say anything. I'm doing that. I did that literally before we got on the call. Well, there you go. So here's the thing. Anchoring is very important. So there's, there's, a, there's a term in sales called anchoring. And for example, let's say uh, I went over to your house and you had a big flat screen TV and, and uh, I said, oh, how much does that cost? And you said it was five grand. I said, wow, that's pretty cool. And I went over to Best Buy and they had the same TV. It looked like the same TV. It had all the same features. And, and it said it was $3,500. I said, oh, my God, well, this is a sweet deal. You know? It's like, right. Matt bought it for five grand. What an idiot. I can get it for $3,500. Okay? <laughs> now, if I went to your house and it said five grand, and you said, oh, it's five grand. Then I went to Best Buy and it said seven. I'm like, I'm not buying it for seven. No, it should be five. Mm -hmm. So the first number I hear is the anchor. That's what I think it should cost. And if, if there isn't an anchor associated with your work, it's it's hard for you to set that anchor face-to-face -face if you're uncomfortable with the number. You see? Yeah. Because if they look at your website and, and it says, you know, uh, projects range from this to this, okay, now they have a sense of where it's going to be. So when you start the conversation with them, of course it's going to be in that range. Now, does that mean you lose some people who think it's too high? Yeah, that's good. You don't want that. You don't want that. So my speaking fee is 25 grand uh, start starting for 25 grand, you know, on the East coast close by. And I don't want people calling up the office and saying, Hey, listen, we want Michael to come speak. You know, our budget's $2,500. I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to make them feel silly when we say, sorry, Michael doesn't go do for $2,500. Um, and I, I don't want to waste my team's time, you know, doing all of that stuff. So they know what it is. Now people might argue, yeah, but it's good. You never know. That person may then work somewhere else for blah, blah. Yeah, I, you know, yes, I wait, get wait, it. Wait, wait, Laura didn't agree to pay you $25,000, right? Oh, no, she already sent the check. <laughs> oh, the check's already in the mail. Yeah, no, okay. cash. They're just cash. making sure. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so you- From, from so the you money see, laundering business. I got yeah. it. <laughs> so you see my point though, that anchor is very, very important. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable anchoring face-to-face -face and sitting there, breathing, looking them in the eye, like it's no problem, then you got to do it some other way. And doing it on your website or in your, you know, whatever- uh, Through know, an email, right? Or email or whatever it's going to be. Uh, but you got to start, you got to know what that anchor is. And then, you know, maybe they want to negotiate. Maybe you will let them negotiate. That's fine. But at least there's an anchor that starts. There's, a, there's an adage that suggests that- um, he who speaks first loses the negotiation. It's actually not the case. Right. It's whoever anchors first. So if we're, let's say I'm an agent, you own a sports team, and I want my guy to get 150 million, and you know you want to pay him 50 million. If you say 50 first, then gee, I got to get you up to 150. That's tough. But if I say 150, right? Yeah. It's tough for you to get down to go down to 50 because I just anchored 150. Yeah. See, I, one of the th issues that I'm having currently is the idea of, well, I've anchored in the past, right? So I've given a price in the past 
and now a, a new job has come up. That person knows the old price. How do you how do you increase it? Prices went up. That's just really is this that that simple? I mean, yeah. I, look when I use when I when I used to buy marketing for, oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The yellow pages, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, every single year it was like clockwork. Price went up. I'm like, yeah. how can the price be going up? It's the fucking yellow pages. <laughs> you know, like you just you're just your mind's blown. You're like, yeah, no, I want it I, less than I got it last year. My man, you're not the yellow pages. Uh, that's true. So you get you get more experience every year. You get busier every year. You have new equipment to buy every year. You are getting faster and better every year. So there's no reason that your prices shouldn't go up. Huh. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I struggle. I struggle with this. I struggle. Look, here's with, the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. People buy to express their values. Think about this. People buy to express their values. If you saw somebody's credit card statement mm-hmm. and on the credit card statement, said that, let's just say it was me. And let's say I was in Vegas every weekend playing the slots. And I had a case of Smirnoff delivered to my house every Monday. And I had 19 leased Porsches in the garage. You'd get a picture of one set of values, okay? Yeah. Now if you saw my credit card statement and you, and you saw, oh, he gives 10% of everything he earns to charity. Uh, he does continuing education for himself and sends his uh, son to private school. And he does, et cetera, et cetera. You get a different picture of, of a value set. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that you see what people value through what they buy. So people want to express their values through the purchases they make with you. I don't think I follow. Okay. So, okay, I'm a boater. I I have two boats, Mm -hmm. one big one and one smaller one for fishing. And boating is the hole in the water club. It's just, you literally, I I spent $350 to try to find an oil leak, okay? Right. I mean, it it took three and a half hours for the guy to find it. It was a drip in a plastic bottle that was in a crate. It wasn't even from any of the engines or the (laughs) generator. I mean, you want to talk about a waste of money. I mean, come on. So it basically is just, but I love it. I love every second of it. I eat it up. Oh, it's great. I can't think of a better place to spend my money. Somebody else would be like, are you kidding? I would never spend my money on something like that. You know, my, the fuel burn in my boat is $150, $200 an hour. It's crazy, yeah. Okay? Someone else thinks I'm insane. To me, that's the best money in the world I could ever spend. Uh, but, you know, there are other things that I would never want to spend my money on because I don't value those mm, things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you spend your money where, where, you, where you, you know, uh, put your values. And so if I don't value, you do video, right? Yeah, I do video, website design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I don't really put a lot of value in video, I'm not going to pay for it. Right. But if I put value, I'm going to pay for it. And you want the kind of buyers that value what you're doing. Sure. And then how do you, how do you, I mean, there's, a, I could go on forever in this topic. Uh, and a couple of questions that come to mind are, you know, how do you find clients? Is it just, is it, I mean, word of mouth, we know as a, as, yeah. a, as a marketer, I know that's the best way, but. Sure, sure. Uh, well, look, there's, I mean, finding clients is, is, a, is a systematic um, is a conversation it's a I have around a, a systematic process. It's okay. not a, you know, it's like a, not a one, two, three thing. But I, I just want to really, really emphasize this idea that, you know, you make your own choices in life. You don't, you don't let other people dictate your fees. You don't let other people dictate where you live. I mean, we live in a place, in a country where you have choice. 
There are people around the world who have no choice. They have yeah. no, they can't make any of these kind of decisions themselves. We can. And for you to let other people do it for you is just is wrong. Because you have the opportunity to make the choices yourself. You have the opportunity to decide what you're worth. Right. So I really believe strongly that that it's you know that they're that we've got to fight consciously against the small thoughts you know that threaten to derail our plans and our dreams. We got to fight every day. And this idea that there aren't great clients out there for you who can pay great fees is a small thought, because you know there are people who are doing what you were doing who are getting paid handsomely for the same kind of work, or even work that's not as good quality. Yeah. Yeah. So they've made a choice to charge higher fees. You just haven't yet. So that's really what it's all about. Yeah. It's just valuing yourself much higher. And therefore, when you do that, it's almost like a projection. You, you, you are what you charge. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You're anchoring uh, a particular uh, price point in their mind. And if they put a value on what you do that's positive, then those two things can line up. Now, there are lots of different pricing models. In, in, um, in cha- there's a chapter in Book Yourself Solid called Perfect Pricing, and there are 12 different pricing models in there that you can use that you know, really help um, organize the way that you and, and your, your buyers think about pricing. But there is such a psychological component to it for you as the person who's selling because you're setting the prices. It's not like you're selling ad space in the yellow pages, which already has a fee that's set by somebody that you work for. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Mm-hmm. It's easy to sell something at a price point that somebody else sets. Because you can say, well, I didn't set it. It's not my fault. I just got to sell it. Right. But you've got to set it. So that's a whole nother, you know, uh, psychological component um, that, um, that often intrudes. It gets in the way of you trying to make that sale. Right. But from a, from a book yourself solid, from getting a client's perspective, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the mistakes that I think people make is they think that marketing gets you clients. I don't think that. I think that that's a myth. I think marketing just creates awareness for the products and services that you offer. That's it. Sure. That's all it does. Right. So what you do once somebody becomes aware of you, all the way up until the time they buy is what makes the difference. What you do once somebody becomes aware of you is what books you the business. Mm-hmm. And so in Book Yourself Solid System, I break it up into four modules. The first module is called Your Foundation. Second module is about building trust and credibility. The third module is on perfect pricing and simple selling. And then the fourth module are the six core self-promotion strategies. And I, and I teach the six core self-promotion strategies at the end because I want to make sure that you've got this foundation in place. You know how to build trust and credibility. You know how to price your offers uh, and have sales conversations before you go out and do all the marketing. Because if you do all the marketing but you don't have a good foundation, if it's not solid, if it doesn't, the potential buyer doesn't feel like it was built for them, then they're just going to go away. They're not going to give you the opportunity to earn their trust. And if you don't have the opportunity to earn their trust, you can't make any sales offers. And so then the whole conversation of pricing your offers and knowing how to have a sales conversation is moot because it's never going to happen. They won't even give you that opportunity. So what you do is you create this foundation first. And the foundation is, 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 built up, is made up of what I call your red velvet rope policy. It's making sure you know exactly who your ideal client is, the client that energizes you, inspires you, mm-hmm. most importantly allows you to do your best work. And then second building block in that foundation is making sure that you understand why people buy what you're selling. So you've got a target market, you know what they need and what they desire. You're very, very clear on the big result you help them get. And then, of course, you're able to articulate the deep-rooted benefits of that result from a financial, from an emotional, and a physical uh, perspective. And then 
The third building block is making sure that you have a personal brand identity. So you decide how you're known in the world. You don't let anybody else do it for you because when people consider you, two things they consider. First, they want to know, does this person help me get what I want? If the answer is no, they go away. If the answer is yes, is that enough for them to hire you? No, because there's lots of people who say they can help them get what they want, say they do what you do. So the next question is, why do you do it? Now, it might not be an intellectual question. They just might be thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like, what's my connection to them? I got to like them somehow, but really, I got to connect with them uh, uh, philosophically, emotionally, around something. I got to feel like they're like me or I'm like them or we have something together. And that's your personal brand identity. That's what you stand for. That's why you get up every day to do this work. That's where the connection is going to be made. And then that fourth building block is being able to talk about what you do without sounding confusing or bland or like everybody else and without using some hyperbole filled, jacked up, uh, highfalutin elevator pitch mm-hmm. that just sounds, you know, like a used car salesman. Yeah, dry, boring. And- exactly. So, you know, I have this crazy idea that we should uh, have conversations with people instead of, you know, giving them a 30 second commercial. And the conversation is always based on the target market that we serve, the needs and desires that they have the big result we help them get, and those benefits from a financial, emotional, physical, and maybe even spiritual perspective, yeah. depending on what you do. But it, that, never goes, it never goes the same way twice. It just I feel like if you need a 30-second pitch, then you don't really know what you do yet. Yeah. If you have to have it memorized, you don't know what you do yet. And this is coming from a guy who memorized 30-second pitches for commercials. Exactly right. That's exactly my point. Mm-hmm. When I started, they told me, you got to have a 30-second pitch. I'm like, well, it doesn't really work for me. I'm an actor. I should know how to do this. I I mean, right? Isn't that the point? But it just felt inauthentic. And I could see in their eyes what was going on. I figured, well, can't I just have conversations with people about this stuff? Because the fact of the matter is, if you give someone a pitch, you have no idea what is actually going on with them. But if you have a conversation with them, then that conversation can go in a hundred different ways based on the organic nature of that particular conversation. But if you know, again, who you serve, what you help them do, um, uh, who you serve, the, the needs and desires they have, the big result you help them get, and all those uh, uh, financial, emotional, physical, and maybe even spiritual benefits, well, then you can have a conversation any which way till Sunday, three seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, three hours, three weeks, three months, it doesn't matter, because you know what you do, and you can talk about it easily. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation. That's where you start, because when somebody becomes aware of you, they come check out that foundation. If that foundation is solid... They'll give you an opportunity to earn their trust. Now, you take that opportunity, and over time, you slowly make sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. You make sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. And if you have a plan for building trust and credibility in place, and in Book Yourself Solid, in that module, there are four building blocks to work through there. If you put that plan into place, then you will steadily increase your credibility, demonstrate your credibility, and earn more trust so that you can make more sales offers because the sales offers you make are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got that set up, you got it in place, then you know how to price your offers, you know how to have sales conversations, and you book the business. And you do it again and again and again and again. So each day you're out there with a few of the core self-promotion strategies. They find out about you. They come check out your foundation. If that foundation is secure, they give you an opportunity to earn their trust. You go about earning their trust over time because trust isn't built in an instant, but you go about earning their trust over time. You make sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. You have got perfect pricing in place. You know how to have a sales conversation at the right time in the right place, and you book the business, and the process repeats itself again and again and again. 
Uh, no wonder you're a good public speaker. <laughs> no wonder you no wonder you have heroicpublicspeaking.com. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's just that. this is this is you know, I could talk to you for probably another uh, six hours. I'm looking at a watch that doesn't exist on my wrist right now. Um, and I mean, look, you, I, I'm, I'm talking to you at the perfect time where I, when I needed to talk to you Fantastic. about this stuff, because it's just, I mean, it's something I've been struggling with for the past two years, but in the most recent, you know, few weeks, this is something I've been struggling with mostly with the book yourself solid stuff, yeah. but also with the public speaking stuff. I mean, yeah. look, what we do here on the podcast is like an everyday public speaking, you know, thing. Yeah. You guys are great. You guys, I mean, you're naturals. Well, you're that's, naturals. that's, I guess that's the important part, right? It is good. The, the thing that, and you don't, I'm not saying you have to worry about this, but sometimes what happens with the people who are natural communicators mm-hmm. is they get lazy because they can wing it. Right. So they stay good, but they don't get great because they don't go deep and dive in and keep working at it and keep developing more and more skill. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing I always had to watch out about because I was, na- I was like you guys, natural communicator, natural MC type. Um, and I found myself getting lazy, just going out and winging it. I said, I can't do that anymore. I got to get really deep, right. deep, deep, deep into it. Yeah. I think yeah. I need to get deep into it. Yeah. I'm not deep yet. Got to get uh, deep. I think, you're, I think you're pretty deep, man. Yeah, I'm trying to get as deep as I can right you're, now. You're pretty deep. Right? Yeah, it's I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Michael, thank you for being on the show. Hey, you guys are fantastic. Anything I can do for you, you know where to find me. Just give me a holler. Uh, really, you know, personally, you guys, if there's something you need, just give me a shout out. Yeah, we'll do. And, uh, yeah. just to uh, reiterate, it's heroicpublicspeaking.com. That's right. And, uh, where can people find your book and where can people find you on social media and stuff? Yeah. So, uh, all of my books, anywhere books are sold, but michaelport.com is the best place. You, you can see everything we do from book yourself, solid mentoring to the school of, uh, coach training. We license, uh, and, and train book yourself, solid coaches, uh, heroic public speaking. You get, can get there from michaelport.com and a whole lot more, but at heroicpublicspeaking.com, you can get a, um, a tip sheet with 50 tips that I absolutely guarantee will make you a better public speaker today. And I, and I also promise there are things on there that you've probably never even thought of mm-hmm. that you do every day that you should probably stop doing. Not awesome. you. Not yeah. you. Not <laughs> you never. Not you. Of course not me. No, 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 no. no, no. no, no. <laughs> so yeah thanks guys this was great I had a good time alright excellent so guys if you have questions about any of this stuff you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and also if you like the show subscribe hit the subscribe button whatever app you're using or whatever you know uh, if you're listening to it on your computer go to iTunes hit subscribe go to Stitcher hit subscribe wherever and if you really really like the show we hope that you really do. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And I'm going to read a review real quick. It's a four-star review, so not uh, not a 100% five-star review, but we're okay with that. And it's from Matt Arino uh, from the United States. This is not me, by the way. This is not my review. That uh, should be your name, though. Matt Arino? Oh, God. No, thank you. Uh, I'll take... No, I'm fine with just Matt. That's fine. Uh, so the, the, the title is funny. The title is Beavis and Butthead Talk About Dollar Sign. <laughs> This is the the review. I've listened to approximately 20 episodes. A few were super informative. A few were super entertaining. I think it's safe to say that most of the episodes I listen to have a few nuggets of wisdom, but there's a lot of empty banter and other filler. (laughs) The, The relentless shilling of a couple of products takes up a lot of time, too. Ultimately, I think most episodes can be chopped down to 20 minutes without sacrificing any of the good stuff. Okay, speaking of uh, listening to critics, there's... Dude, I was going to say, there's there's the wheat, the chaff. I just like the chaff better. Oh, God. Uh, Well, 
we're going to continue doing what we do, but thank you for the somewhat constructive criticism of, uh, yes, the relentless shilling of a couple of products that take up too much time. Okay, we get it. We get it. Uh, but anyway, Speaking check out which buy the yeah. I was like, check out heroicpublicspeaking.com. Book yourself solid and all of Michael's books <laughs> at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. <laughs> and go to our website, listenmoneymatters.com, and check out our toolbox, listenmoneymatters.com/toolbox, where I'm pretty sure, if not, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not already there, it will be there. Um, book yourself solid, which is a book that I've uh, looked at and read, uh, will be up there, and, as well as some of your other books. And I want to, I want you to uh, come back when you have steal the show. Absolutely. I'll be back fall of 2016. Excellent. Michael, thanks so much again for being on. You're welcome, guys. All right. Thanks again for hanging out with us today, and we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 